What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimwing here with y'all. As always, before we get going, reminder, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Remember, hit the like button where you can hit the subscribe button to stay updated with the show and leave the five-star review where you can as well. All those ways help us grow the show. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. You can connect with us on social media at LacrosseBucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Let's get into the weekend that was here, week five of the college lacrosse season, a weekend headlined by rivalries. We had Hopkins, Syracuse. We had Princeton, Rutgers. We had Villanova and Penn. Uh, A lot of good rivalries this weekend and and a lot of good contests. Those games, well, all of them, very, very close contest. What you want to see. We we also had Hopkins and and, and, uh, Virginia, uh, early in the week as well. So a big week full of rivalries that we had here and multiple here on the weekend. Uh, but we're going to start this show off with, once again, Penn State, the Nittany Lions, uh, getting another top 10 win over another Ivy League program this week, beating Cornell 10-6. to And once again, the Penn State defense – showing their improvement, showing how good they are. Joe Bucci's defense has been phenomenal this season for the Nittany Lions, and certainly in their uh, three consecutive wins, Yale, Penn, and now Cornell. The Nittany Lions hold Cornell to six goals on the day, get the 10-6 win. They held them off the scoreboard in the final period of play. They held them to two goals in the first half. And outside of the third quarter, Cornell really did not get much offensively at all. Um, A big part of this certainly is the goalie play of Jack uh, Facion, who had 16 saves in the game. He had 10 in the first half, and and in particular, a uh, really big defensive stand for Penn State there. Late in the second uh, in the uh, second quarter, where he makes you no know, three saves in a row, uh, it rebounds out. Cornell gets gets the restart off the uh, sideline, off the near sideline, goes wide. Cornell gets the restart from behind. He makes saves in each of those instances. A really really strong performance here for Jack Flakeyon. Uh, today, as uh, on Saturday, I should say, recording here on Sunday, but a, a phenomenal uh, effort from him there. Uh, but he was just one piece, the biggest piece, I, I would argue, but one of the pieces of the puzzle here for this Penn State defensive effort. You had Jack Posey, who was matched up on CJ Coast for most of the day. You had Sam Sweeney, who was uh, matched up on Billy Coyle for most of the day. They held Cornell's top two uh, point getters in check for most of the contest. You had um, 
CJ Coast end with two goals and one assist, and then Coyle had two goals. So they each got opportunities and each took them. But when you go and you look at those goals, and particularly the CJ Coast goals, both of his came during that fourth, uh, that that third quarter run where Cornell outscores Penn State four to three in that period. And Coast on the first one, he he gets matched up on, on the short stick and the slide doesn't come. He t- you know rolls back, gets the shot. On the second goal of the day that he had was just a few minutes later, a few possessions later, gets my, is behind the cage. You get a pick. He gets space off of it. He turns the corner and, and puts it in. Um, to it, it was those kinds of situations where Cornell was able to get a mismatch and to take advantage of it, or in unsettled situations where Cornell was able to score. Otherwise, the Big Red had a difficult time scoring all day uh, against Penn State. It, it really was in those moments where they were able to get the advantage, whether it be on an unsettled situation or on mismatch opportunities where they were able to put the ball in the back of the net. And this is a defensive battle throughout Penn state. Didn't quite have the greatest offense performance either. Uh, Jack trainer, two goals and two assists. Matt trainer had a hat trick on the day. Kevin Winkoff, with three assists as well. Uh, the, the biggest thing for me, certainly the the, the Penn State uh, defense and, and the way that they were able to play, it, it was huge in this game. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is, you know, Penn State's game plan. And, and at least in the first half especially, they were able to, well, I mean, they took a, was a four to two lead into the half. They were able to, kind of slowed the possession down and had a lot of long possessions and able to uh, kind of drown out that Cornell uh, defense there. And, you know, Chase Owen played very well. He had 21 saves in this contest for Cornell. And like I said, it's, it was a defensive effort. Both defenses, I think, showed a lot in this game. Both offenses struggled at times. Penn State, though, was able to get the better end of the stick in this contest and they get the win. Um, and I mentioned the, 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 the defensive effort, the game plan overall for Penn state. Um, but the, probably the most shocking thing for me was they were able to beat Cornell in a sense at their own game. Cornell is a team that can win in between the boxes they're a team, and what Cornell did win the ground ball battle, they, they were had the upper hand in many different categories in this contest. Um, turnovers were a big issue for uh, Cornell, a bigger issue there, 16 to 12. Eight of those were caused by Penn State. Uh, that's really the only area where you see a, a significant differential uh, on the side of you know, Penn State as the upper hand. You saw both these teams go 22 for 24 in the clearing game. I thought both the rides were pretty good. Both the clearing abilities of these teams were pretty good. Uh, Again, 22 for 24, that's for both teams, what they did. Uh, Each had the same final stat in that regard. So you had a couple failed clears, uh, most of them not coming until late, though. So uh, this this was a, a really good game. 
between two teams that I think have clearly shown that they are uh, top five caliber, and certainly in regard to Penn State, that they are a top five team here as they get their third consecutive upset win over a top 10 Ivy League program. Penn State Nittany Lions beating the Cornell Big Red 10-6 to on Saturday afternoon. Another game involving an Ivy League team was one of the first games of the day, the first big game of the day, uh, to, to be sure, as Yale beats Denver 11-9. to And you talk about game plans. That's the biggest thing. Look, Yale won the game, but I think Denver won the game plan, if that makes any sense. Uh, Denver was able to slow it down. They were able to make Yale play a slower game. And credit to the Bulldogs and Andy Shea's squad that they were able to do so and able to get the win there. This was a 4-3 game at the end of the first. uh, Yale goes 3-2 in the second quarter to make it, uh, to, to, to get the lead heading into the half. And then really the third quarter, I, I thought is really what changed the changed the outcome of this game here for Yale as they're able to finally break through. They go 3-0 in the third quarter. Now Yale, uh, Denver does have a very strong last-ditch effort, if you will. I should say second, uh, no, late, late effort here. Uh, Josh Carlson, Michael Lampert, Stephen Avery score the final three goals of the game. Uh, Avery had one earlier in the fourth quarter as well. As Denver does put a put forth a comeback effort, it ultimately fails in this contest. And looking at my notes here, one of the biggest things that uh, was interesting to me in this game, and especially in the first half, was the clearing of Denver. So Denver goes 17 for 20 in this contest. They failed three clears, yeah, three clears all day. Uh, and Yale's a team that had been the toughest team to ride against coming into the weekend. I thought, especially in the first, first and second quarters, for sure, uh, Denver showed a lot, and it was a big factor that Denver was able to uh, combat the Yale ride the way that they were able to. And the way they did so in many cases was just those long, you know, uh, quarter field passes and let's get the ball into the offensive zone. If we have to make long passes to do so, we're going to do it. We're not going to try to run through this Yale ride. We're going to pass our way out of it, uh, so to speak. And and they did so. So a really good game plan here for Denver that comes up short. Yale's offense uh, ultimately comes through in this one. You had Matt Brandow with three goals and two assists for five points. Matt Krefsky, I thought, played fantastic in this game. Two goals and one assist. Brad Sharp had three goals as well. Uh, you had Johnny Kai with one one and one also. Uh, and a couple other single-goal scorers here for Yale in the victory. But again, the, the fact that they were able to win a game where they had to play slower when Yale is a team that uh, does play a bit faster, I think tells a lot about this Yale program tells a lot about this team and, and, and is a is a good game for them to win here as they move into Ivy League play next week. Well, they will play Cornell next week in that contest. The Yale defense, the Yale defense, um, improved, improved, I, I would say that. Yale's defense came out better in the first quarter. 
the UMass game, the Denver game, we've really seen some improvement from the Yale defense. So uh, th- that's a good sign there in that regard after some poor uh, defensive games early on in the season. Uh, you had Jared Parquette with 13 saves in this one for the Eli's. Jack Stews, and I thought played fantastic at the LSM spot. Five ground balls, two cross turnovers. He was all over the place in this game. Again, a, a really good win for the Bulldogs as they're able to win a game where the opponent, I thought, won the game plan and made Yale play their game to, to the best of their ability, and Yale was able to win, and that one, the offense uh, eventually, you know, is the thing that lifts them to victory here. You saw the attack struggle early on against the Denver defense, and they had to set up a lot more opportunities dodging from up top uh, than, than what you would have working it behind and all of that. So the midfield was a bit more involved uh, than maybe we've seen uh, in previous weeks with Yale. Uh, but but this is an offense that has weapons all over the place, and, and they're starting to round into form here as they move into Ivy League play. So a good 11-9 win there for Yale over the Denver Pioneers. Yale moves to, what is it, 4-1 on the season, believe it is. Princeton and Rutgers, another game to get to here involving an Ivy League and a Big Ten opponent and a rivalry game at that. So, first and foremost, I still need to go back and watch the uh, second quarter of this game. I saw most, I had it kind of second screen throughout the first half. Uh, so I saw the first quarter and I saw uh, what I thought was a, a really good start for, for Princeton in this contest. And then I saw uh, Rutgers start to come back uh, in this game. And they had that seven to three uh, second quarter. And I saw the ending of this contest. I saw the final uh, you know, five or six possessions, and then obviously the the overtime period. Dante Kulis wins it in overtime for Rutgers, a 14-13 to 13 win in this contest. For, first and foremost, I, I will say this. Um, this was an offensive shootout in this game. This is an offensive shootout. 14-13, Rutgers over Princeton. Both these offenses were able to – it was a game of runs, right? And we say that a lot, big cliche about lacrosse. It's a game of runs. It was to an extent on, on this day. Princeton jumps out to a 5-3 lead, a 5-2 lead, excuse me, at the end of the first quarter. Rutgers jumps on on top of that. They go 7-3 in the second quarter. They take the 9-8 lead into the half. Um, the second half does not see as much of that scoring. It's more of an even uh, half in terms of the runs, but still, both these offenses showed a lot and be able to get and being able to get what they wanted. Now the defenses came to play late in this contest, and Princeton, uh, well, Rutgers had a a big stop late. Princeton had a big stop late. Ultimately, you know, Sam English ties it up 13-13 with 4:32 left. Dante Kuis with 2:42 left on the clock in the overtime period puts home the game winner for Rutgers in what was a very exciting game uh, in this one between these two rivals. With Rutgers, Kulis, four goals, one assist, five points on the night. Brian Cameron, three goals, two assists. Shane Knobloch, two goals, three assists. 
All three of those guys had five points on the day. When you look at Princeton, Colton McAsee, three and three for six. Christian Ronda, three and one for four. You had Alexander Vidalo, uh, who uh, w- w- was initiating from uh, w- w- playing an attack for, for, for most of the game. Uh, two and two there for four as well. Alex Slusher, two and one. I think really the biggest takeaway for me in this game is A, Princeton can start fast. Princeton can start a game the way they need to start it. And then B is both of these offenses showed the depth that we've seen from them all year. Now, Princeton, they had a couple bad weeks, and we've talked about those bad weeks from Princeton. They lose this game, but I think they showed a lot of improvement. They showed a taking a step forward after what was a couple bad weeks there uh, with losses to Maryland and Georgetown and starting slow in both of those games. Michael Gina Ficaro uh, played very well in the second half, 10 saves for Princeton there. Kyle Mullen, 13 saves there for Rutgers. A, a all-around great battle here in this contest. Joe Newman, 11 of 19 there at the faceoff dot uh, as he's the leader there for Rutgers on the day. Tyler Sandoval, 10 of 19. It was a battle there all day long at the dot. A, a really good contest again here between two rivals. Exactly out how you would expect this to go. And again, Rutgers being able to win a game like this is huge for them. And also Princeton can take a lot away from this win. A moral victory, you could say that. I don't really believe in that. But hey, you played better. And being able to come back the way they did late in this contest and tie it when they were able to, uh, and they did so multiple times, I think is a good sign moving forward for this Princeton team uh, coming off of this loss to their in-state rival Rutgers. Now, moving on to another rivalry game here uh, in upstate New York, the Syracuse Orange took on the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. This was Mikey Powell, Josie retirement day. Uh, This was a celebration of Mikey Powell at halftime of one of the most historic rivalries in college lacrosse. One of the most historic players getting honored, getting his number lifted into the rafters of the Dome there at halftime of one of the most historic rivalries. Big day here for Syracuse. However, Johns Hopkins comes in from Homewood Field, and they crash the party. 11-9 to victory here for Hopkins in this game. And I'll be honest, so I have all my notes here written down of this game. Number one, Tim Marcel, 16 saves. He played outstanding. He played out of his mind in this contest, was a phenomenal asset here for Hopkins. And and we've mentioned Hopkins getting some guys back. We saw Melendez with three goals in this one. Jacob Angelis, one and three. Matt Collison had a goal and an assist. Garrett Degnan with two goals as well. Um, Cameron Chauvet had, had a goal. Patrick Deans had the uh, sealed the day, sealed the game with the pole goal there late. Uh, Ryan Evans also had a score. So we saw a lot of different pieces come together here for Hopkins, especially offensively in this contest. Um, faceoff wise, you know, Logan Callahan goes five for 11, you know, Syracuse had a bit of an edge there, 
Um, but I think overall Hopkins probably was better on a consistent level in this contest uh, at the faceoff dot there. And you've seen a lot of, uh, you know, coming out of this game of Syracuse needs to get a, needs to improve at the faceoff dot, needs to improve defensively still. Will Mark is playing very well. He had 12 saves in this contest. Uh, Tim Oxio actually 21 saves in the contest. I'm mistaken here. He had 16 at halftime, uh, 21 on the day. So a, a, a super duper day for Marcio there in cage for Hopkins. And that's the biggest piece for me in this game. So <clears throat> I had written in my uh, you know weekend notebook here. This is very interesting. Hopkins had 40 shots. Syracuse had 42. So Syracuse only had two more shots than Hopkins. Syracuse, however, put 30 of those shots on cage to Hopkins' 23. Tim Marcel faced a lot better shots than Will Mark did. Maybe not a, a, a whole, a, not, maybe not a, a, a massive amount better, but one of the things I've written down here is, does Syracuse take bad shots? I, I'm not convinced they do. When you look at what this offense was doing, with Owen Hiltz and Michael Leo and Finn Thompson. He had the insane BTB shot there, uh, goal uh, to end the half. When you look at uh, Joey Spelina, obviously there. I mean, this is an offense that is good. This is an offense that knows how to work together and is going to be good this year and or is good this year and is going to be good next year with a lot of those guys back. I feel like the, the, the they are this Syracuse team is missing like one or two pieces. You lose by two in this game. They let Hopkins no Hopkins scores the final three of this game. Um, Michael Leo a man up goal. Excuse me makes it a nine to eleven game with eleven nineteen left. Matt Collison Ryan Evans Patrick Deans put the final touches on this game here for for Hopkins. And look, the Syracuse defense came out really strong. They had two or three stops early in this game that made me really think, wow, this is a Syracuse defense that has taken a step forward from a week ago, or at least has improved from a week ago from what we saw. And over the past couple weeks, I could say, Syracuse has now lost four straight. And they're looking good in some areas. In some areas, they need improvement, face off and, 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 and defense. Goalie, uh, not included in that. Obviously, Hopkins again. They 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 looked decent in the loss against Virginia. Looked a lot better than I would have expected them to against the Cavaliers on Tuesday. They come to the dome on Saturday and they get the win, eleven to nine, their second consecutive victory over. Oh, excuse me. Uh, they is it their second consecutive victory over the. Uh, orange, because I can't remember who won last year's game. Let me look that up real quick here. Uh, but but a, a a good win nonetheless here for the or for the uh the Blue Jays, and you have to think this is a team that came in I think as the number ten ranked team in the country. This is a team that's looking like they're starting to click right now. Yes, Hopkins won last year as well, uh, ten to seven. So was correct on that. But Hopkins again. Looking like they're starting to click together, 
We see no, no, this defense still continuing to be pretty good. Marcel obviously is a great anchor in cage with Angelus and Degnan and all of these guys offensively, Russell Melendez, uh, Matt Collison and the, and the little hitch he had there at the end, uh, one of the final goals of the game, phenomenal. Um, th- this is an offense that's kind of rounding into form, and they can attack you from kind of anywhere on the field it is what we've seen from this team. They played Melendez, had him initiating from up top, some if not all of this contest, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, this is a a Hawkins team that I feel like is kind of rounding into form here. They've gotten a lot of these injuries back. And, you know, Big Ten play starts here in a couple of weeks. And uh, Hopkins is looking pretty good here as they head into what was the most detrimental stretch last season. They lost to Delaware on Friday. They lost to Navy on Sunday. They've got that matchup again this, this, this coming weekend. We'll see if the Blue Jays can handle it. The next game I want to talk about here, and this is a game I did not get to watch a ton of because I had it on at the same time of the Hopkins game, but I did see the ending of this. Penn and Villanova. And I just have to say here, Villanova, is this the team that we should all be talking about? Like, that is my, like, that's my takeaway coming out of this weekend is, yeah, we're all talking about Penn State, and Penn State's a good team. But is Villanova actually the team that we should all be talking about? Villanova beat Penn State to start the season. They lost to Yale 20-14. to They beat De- Delaware. They beat Hofstra. They beat Drexel. And now they've beaten Penn. And those Drexel and Penn wins came back to back. The Drexel win we talked about a little bit on Thursday's show. They've run away late in that game. They've run away late in this one. Uh, heroically in this victory here, nine to eight against the Quakers. And defense is the thing that comes to mind here for me. Uh, Reed Colwell ha- has been very well this season for, for Villanova. He had three cost turnovers, four ground balls, was phenomenal in this contest. And when you got David Evancheck there, as well as Brody Laporte, you've got Chet Camizia, one of the best defensive midfielders. In the country, this is a defense that is playing very well. Will Vitton and Cage looks fine. Just a usual had 11 saves on the day here. Um, the offense came up against a, a really good goalie, Emmett Carroll, for Penn. He had 21 saves in the contest, and I thought the Penn defense overall played very well also in this contest. Ethan Till, three ground balls, two cost turnovers, was maybe the, uh, the shining star there. Peter Blake, Bernard Lavelli, a, a, a two two solid defenses going at it here on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and the ability for Villanova to, you know, Gabe Fury gets gets the goal there, eight oh nine left in the third. Hugh Mullaney gets another one, and that makes it a six to five game Villanova. Well, Hanley comes in after that gets his first of the day, and Villanova did a fantastic job of denying Sam Hanley, and he had, what, two, three shots on the day, had the two goals both come in the fourth quarter of play, that first obviously being he's up top, defense just kind of gets sucks in. He's right there, stings it, uh, phenomenal goal for, for Hanley in that one, and, and then he had, you have the Ben Smith man up goal, 
and you have the Hanley second score, it's an eight to six game. All of a sudden, it's eight to six game. What was a five to two game late in the second? What was a uh, five to three game at the half is now a eight to six game, and you're in the hole. You've got to come back. The ability, and we know Villanova's got playmakers, Patrick Daly, Matt Campbell. We know they've got these guys. The ability for them to come back and make do what was needed in those moments, get those plays. And they had the transition goal there as well, uh, which came from, from Matt Campbell on the man up to tie it 8-8. to eight. And then Matt Licati with 28 seconds left, coming off the restart on the end line, beats his man. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the shot you want that he took, but it went in and uh, he got his hands free and swung that thing and Villanova wins the game. A really good, another really good win here for Villanova in this contest. Again, I have to go back and watch that game in its entirety. I didn't see the uh, most of the first half of that contest, but uh, a, a strong ending there for Villanova in this one as they get another pretty solid win. Uh, they are now, was it, 5-1 uh, and one on the season. They've won each of the last four contests. They've got Monmouth uh, coming up next Saturday, and then they've got Navy and then Brown before they start Big East play. And look, the way Georgetown's looking, the way Denver's looking, is Villanova the best Big East team? I think so. And if you remember, we talked about this in the preseason. We talked about this back in the fall. Villanova coming into this year was probably in the you know most unique spot coming into the season. And I know we, we've talked a lot about Bill Tierney, his final season, all of that, and what that impact has on Denver and how that made this season more unique for Denver. But Villanova coming off of what they did last year and they were as good. They were better than every team but Georgetown in the Big East. Can they beat Georgetown this year? It's been quite a while since they've done so. Actually, I don't think they've ever beaten Georgetown in, in since Big East play began, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been a while, if not ever, uh, that 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 the Hoy- that the Wildcats have beaten the Hoyas. Let's look this up real quick here. Georgetown, boom. Yeah, 6 six to 16. They have not beaten them. Okay, 2017 is the last time, but they've only beaten them a number of times here uh, since the beginning of Big East play and certainly have not beaten them since 2018. It's been a long time here, and, and they've played almost twice uh, each year, three times there in 2021. So, it's been a while since Villanova got a win over Georgetown. If they can do so, uh, you know, this could be Villanova's year. This very well could be Villanova's year. And we're looking at what they're doing right now. And they look pretty dang good defensively. They've got the weapons offensively to strike back when needed, obviously. Uh, and again, another good win here for the Wildcats. Before we get out of here, Want to talk about a couple other games here. So Drexel 18, St. Joseph 16. Big win here for the Dragons in that one as they take down St. Joseph's five goals, one assist for Jack Mulcahy in this one. Sean Donnelly, three goals and two assists as 
well. Uh, Michigan, couple wild goals in this one. You had a buzzer beater, I believe it was, in the half uh, there that, that kind of bounces in weird, and they had one that kind of rolled in weird as well. Uh, Michigan beats Harvard nineteen to thirteen, five to four win here. Uh, five to four, uh, five goals, four assists for Michael Bame, nine point day for him. Brian Cohn, four goals and three assists in that one. A, a game that Michigan, and they've done this the past couple of weeks, they've gotten down against Delaware and Harvard, are able to come back and get the win there. They lost, or they beat Delaware last year. They lost to Harvard. They've got Notre Dame coming up this weekend. Um, I, Based on what Notre Dame did to Ohio State, which we're not going to talk about that, but I'll mention it, and Notre Dame beat Ohio State 16-3. Notre Dame solidifies themselves in that top tier with Virginia this week, for sure. Um, I'm not sure Michigan has what it takes to beat Notre Dame. Pretty sure only one team does, and that one team is Virginia. Possibly Duke. We'll see. They had a big win over uh, Loyola on Friday night. Uh, absolutely blasting the Greyhounds in that one was it 17 to nine, I believe it was 17 to six, something like that. Uh, really, really uh, just blast the Greyhounds in that contest. Um, but yeah, Michigan looking, looking good the past couple of weeks and, and certainly look improved from last season uh, from what we saw from them. And certainly offensively look a bit more polished through this point in the season. Um, we had Providence beat Stony Brook 10 to nine, in overtime, we had let's see some other ones here. Georgetown thirteen to twelve over Richmond. That's a game that I kind of had my eye on as like it could be interesting. I don't think so. Ended up being pretty interesting in this one. I did not catch any of this one, but Tucker Dwardovic four goals to lead the way for the Hoyas here. Um, Michael Schraffenberger seven uh, five saves in cage twenty nine percent save percentage. Zach Vigue, 19 saves there for Richmond. Uh, from looking at the box score and all that, looks like the Richmond defense came to play, gave Georgetown a pretty good battle there, but again, was not able to see that. North Carolina, 19, Brown, 6. That's a depleted Brown roster, as we mentioned, uh, but North Carolina putting up that number. Um, pretty good, pretty good. North Carolina is looking decent through this point in the season. High point, 16. Robert Morris, 14. Um, Air Force, 11. Bryant, 6 is another interesting one there. UMass, 12. Vermont, 4. UMass bounced back. Uh, Very good from their loss to Yale a week prior. Two goals, three assists for five points for Mike Tobin. Carter uh, Castillo had four points as well. Two goals and two assists there for uh, the Minute men, uh, Caleb Hammett, 71% at the dot against Tommy Burke here. I uh, was very impressed with what he did there at the dot for the minute men in this contest. The last, uh, we'll talk about this one real quick. Bellerman 11, Marquette 10. Bellerman is now 5-1. and one. It's their best start since 2013. They've got Utah coming up this weekend to start Ace on play. Going to be interesting to see how the Knights do in the A-Sun this season. I think they could be better than I expect them to be. I expect them to be 
you know, worse than Air Force, worse than Utah, worse than Jacksonville for sure, worse than RMU, kind of on the outside, looking in there at the top four, uh, but still in the A-Sun tournament as they did expand to the quarterfinals this year. Uh, they could find a way in the top four, though. If they can beat Utah, if they can beat an Air Force, and they played those teams very tough last season, we'll see how things roll here. But uh, Coach Andy Whitley and the, and the Knights looking good at this point in the season uh, to, to this point. Uh, Maryland pulls away 16-9 over Albany. And then where's the uh, the last one I wanted to mention here? Yes, Colgate 17, Navy 8. So um, I mentioned on Thursday's show, previewing the weekend, that this one could be an interesting one. And it, it was interesting last year as well. And Colgate is a team that came into the weekend uh, with a 0-3 record. However, they had had a couple of very close losses. They lost to Air Force by one. They lost to Hobart by two, I believe it was. Um, and they had lost to Boston U. I think it was like 14-7 to seven or something like that. They started pretty good in that game. I went last night after the uh, – uh, during the uh, Duke-Virginia basketball game, I, I flip on this game here, uh, go to ESPN, flip, hit the replay tab, and I, I flip on this Colgate-Navy game. And um, I wanted to see what happened here. So, first of all, Patrick Skolniak is out for the season for Navy, as we mentioned. Dane Swanson is also still out for the midshipmen as well. And I wanted to see, is this solely the, the those two guys not being there? I don't, I don't think so. And I'm not really sure this is much on... So the goaltending in this game... You saw Dan Daly start, and Pat Ryan also played as well. Um, I thought they both played decent. Like, I don't – Colgate just put a lot of shots on cage that were really good. They were beating the matchup pretty consistently. Rory Connor had seven goals, including, I think, four in a row in the first half. I mean, he was lighting up the scoreboard for this Colgate team. Um Thomas Colcucci wasn't started the game pretty good at the faceoff dot. Anthony Gobriel goes sixty four percent for Navy. Like Navy wins the battle in a lot of these areas. Um, they just didn't win the game. They couldn't. They could not crack Matt Lacombe. Uh, Twenty one saves in this contest for Colgate. And I, I don't. I don't want to say it's you mark it all up to running into a hot goalie, uh, because some of Navy's shots, to be honest with you weren't the best, um, but, like, they started out decent. Um, you know, Carter Ash gets the start, his first career start, the freshman, two goals. Max Hewitt had two goals. John Zarzo had had two goals. Arline had a really nice assist. Like, Lace Ripley had, had two assists in this game. I thought Navy played pretty decent, especially uh, to start out this game. But once Colgate got going, Navy just kind of – I'm not trying to make this sound, you know, Navy, they, they kind of sunk in. They kind of sunk. Uh, I'm not trying to make a, a metaphor or whatever out of that with being the United States Naval Academy, but, like, they they just kind of, it, it seems like they just kind of didn't know what to do. And that's that's kind of concerning. Like, Navy is, 
Um, you know, they, they, they've had three close losses before this, and then a 17-8 to eight loss to Colgate. That's not good. They've got Hopkins and Villanova coming up um, this weekend. Um, we'll see how they go in those ones. Um, two tough teams, two tough matchups. Navy, they, they've lost four straight now, and uh, that could be six straight by, by this time n- n- next week. Um, uh, by the 21st. Yeah, that's next week. Uh, but by this time next week, uh, oh, is that the Monday game or Tuesday game? Whatever. But, but by the next two games, that could be a six goal, a six game losing streak. So you got to wonder. I know we've talked about Georgetown a lot and being underperforming this season based on the talent on that roster. And they've won the past two games, it seemed to kind of be putting it together. Um, they certainly did against Princeton. I think we have to talk about Navy now about also being one of the more underachieving teams in college across this season. Uh, now going on four consecutive losses and what they did against Colgate. And again, there was some good positive things to take away from that one. I know it was a snowy backdrop. You had the orange ball. Was that part of the, the goalie struggles? Or was it just that Colgate was shooting that well? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of things you could you could look at and suggest from that game. And if you go back and watch the tape, you could v- validate any number of them, I think. Uh, just an odd game. Certainly for Coach Amplo, I think they they burn the tape and, and they move on uh, to this one. This is a much more talented team than losing 17-8 to, um, to Colgate. And, and albeit a, a tough Colgate team that gave them trouble last season as well, but, but a Colgate team that, that you expect Navy to certainly be better than and, and certainly to beat there. But, but again, a, a big congrats to Colgate on the win there. They're folks won the season and uh, we'll see if they can snowball that into some other big wins as they move forward in Patriot league play. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.